Hey guys, your murder girls are back with a brand new episode. As always, we're your hosts. I'm Raina. And I'm Marie. Thank you guys for tuning in this lovely Friday morning. We hope everyone's week went well. So we have some shout outs this morning. Our first one is to Miss June M. Sandra H. Zulma. Michelle N. Sandy A. And Carolee H. We just want to say that our listeners have the best case suggestions. <laughs> you guys have been messaging us with some pretty good cases that we actually have never even heard of. So thank you for sending them over and just know that we are checking them out. We're putting the episodes together. So just go ahead and stay tuned for that. We also have a couple of really good mashups for you guys, which I love writing because I feel like I can go back and hit up those cases where there's not really enough information for a full-length episode. Yeah. So I'm really glad you guys like those. And I'm not going to lie, it kind of makes my job easier because it's like <laughs> less than half of the research time. So that's all good with me. So this week's episode, we are going to Germany, which is on my bucket list, but I'm not crossing it off for this. <laughs> um, we are doing the case of a 21-year-old nursing student Frake Liebs, and her name is pronounced different all throughout different sources that we use. So we're just going to call her by her last name, which is Liebs. Uh, that way we don't butcher it throughout this episode for the next like 20 minutes. So Liebs vanished after a night out with friends at a local pub. After mysterious messages and phone calls from her to family and friends, months would go by before her remains were found. So, Liebs was born in Germany on February 21st, 1985. So, at this time, she was 21 years old. She was living her best life. So, on June 20th, 2006, she had headed out to the Old Triangle. And it was a local pub. It was located in Paderborn City. And she went there to meet up with some of her friends to watch the FIFA World Cup match between Sweden and England. This is another, like, super pretty city, you guys. Paderborn, Germany is absolutely stunning. So as the night is progressing, they're all having a great time, and Liebs seems to be kind of preoccupied on her cell phone for quite a few hours. And now her phone is pretty close to dying. So she asks her friend, like, hey, my phone's about to die. Can I use yours? So she continues texting away on her friend's cell phone for, once again, quite a while. And then she decides at some point in the night she's ready to go. So she gives the cell phone back to her friend. And around 11 p.m., she says goodbye to all of her friends. And she walks out of the pub. And she went out through the main entrance. And this was in the direction of her apartment, which was only about a mile away. So it should have taken her, what, like more than 15 minutes to make it home, like if you were walking. But then again, it's unknown if she had actually gotten into a car or she walked home. So around 12.45 a.m., which is almost two hours after she left the pub, making her way home, she shoots a text message to her roommate, Christos, or as they call it in Germany, like their flatmate. So we have roommates over there. They call it flatmates. So her text to Chris said that she had a great time, you know, watching the game and she would be back home to the apartment later. 
but she never came home that morning like she said she would. So when she didn't arrive at work the next day, her mother knew like right off the bat something was wrong. So she calls the local police and she reports her daughter missing. So the investigation into Lieb's disappearance began literally right away. The first thing that they looked into were her phone records and they wanted to trace where she had gone that night or those early morning hours after she left the pub. They wanted to form like a pattern where her movements were. So they traced her cell phone and the investigators found out that her last text message had pinpointed near a town called Nehem, which was a city that was 21 miles away from the apartment that she shared with her roommate in Paderborn. Okay, but like the question is, what is she doing all the way over there? I mean, that was 21 miles away. That's pretty far to be walking on foot, let alone like in the dead of the night. So if she was alone, once again, we don't know. Why would she tell her roommate that she was coming home? So two days would pass by and there's absolutely no word from Leibs. No one's seen her. No one's heard from her. Nothing. And at this point, everyone's continuing, you know, to search for her. Then on the 22nd, her roommate, Chris or Christos, gets a call and it's from Leibs. She says, quote, hey, Christos, I just want to let you know I'm fine and that I'll be home soon. Tell mom and dad and the others. And then she just hangs up. So Chris would later tell law enforcement that on that call with Leibs, she was acting super strange, really distant, like they were super close and she was kind of acting like she didn't really know him, like a stranger. And that all of the questions that he was asking her, she wouldn't answer any one of them. So Chris was like, I don't know what the hell was going on or where she could be or who she could be with. Like this is just so out of character. So the next day on the 23rd, Liebs sends text messages to Chris again. Okay, so I'm going to have Marie help me with this dialogue between Liebs and Chris to make um, it easier for you guys to understand like the back and forth communication that the two had. So it is the 23rd and it's 11.04 p.m. and Liebs sends this text message to Chris. I'm coming home today. I'm in Paderborn. Two minutes later, her brother Frank picks up the phone to call her because it's obvious that she has her phone in her hand because he wants to know, like, where the hell she is. So he rings her phone. She picks up, acting super strange, and Frank says, Rocket, what are you doing and when are you coming home? Liebs replies, I'm coming home today. Not late. I'm in Paderborn. Don't ask I'm coming home. Her brother then asks her, Well, where are you then? Lieb says, I can't say. And then the call ends. So these strange types of calls keep coming in from Liebs over the next few days. She called her roommate Chris again to tell him that she was coming back and that she was in Paderborn. She said she was in Paderborn over and over and over again, which everybody thought was really, really strange. Chris had asked her flat out, hey, are you hurt? And to which Leibs replied, no, that she wasn't. 
So the last phone call she made was on the 27th, and it was the craziest of them all. Leaps calls her roommate, Chris, one last time. And when that call came in, Leib's sister, Karen, actually happened to be with her roommate, Chris, at the exact time. So Karen jumps on the phone and she delicately asks Leibs, you know, how are you? To which Leibs replies, please don't ask. And Karen responds, are you tired? You sound tired. Leibs replies, yes. Tell everyone I love them really much. Leibs then tells Karen that it's time. She has to go. She has to hang up the phone, but that she wants to talk to Chris one more time. So Karen hands the phone over to Chris and Leibs says to Chris, I can't tell you where I'm at, which is so creepy. So finally, Chris just asks her flat out, like, are you being held captive? And to Chris's shock, she says yes in a faint tone, which shocks the crap out of Chris, who starts yelling like, no, 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 no. And he's like desperately trying to get answers from her. And he's like, who are you with? And she's telling him like, I can't say. And he's like, did you meet somebody on your way home? Like, who is it? And then she tells him, you know, I would never stay away from home for a week just because of some guy or someone I met. You know me. I have to go. Chris then says that he asked her if she'd be calling again, and she said that she wasn't sure. They had a bit more conversation, but Leibs continued to be very vague and started to sound really worn, like worn down and super tired. And so she finally hangs up, and that was it. That call, when it ended, was the last time that anybody would ever hear from Leibs. It is a very mind-boggling dialogue between them and almost makes you think, like, was she drugged or something? Like, the family was spot on when they said that right. they thought she could be drugged. Like, was she kidnapped? Where was she? She kept saying over and over that she was in Paderborn. But, like, where? And clearly, she said when Chris asked her if she had been held captive, she really lowered her tone in that phone call, saying it, like, so faintly. Because, I don't know, maybe she didn't want her captors to hear her. I don't know, like, what the what the hell is going on? So the cops then go and they trace all of these phone calls. And they were, in fact, coming from areas of Paderborn City. So the cops were able to trace all of these phone calls from around Paderborn, but not in a specific location. They were coming from all over the city. I feel like she's got to be in a car if she was walking around all over the city. I feel like people would have obviously seen her by now. Now, what's also strange is she only had five euros on her, which in American money, that's about six dollars. So how did she make it 21 miles away that first day she went missing and continued to move around the city? Her captors aren't charging her. Yeah, like that, right? Like that doesn't really, I don't know. That's not a lot of money at all. So one theory that they had, the family, was that she had met up with someone that she had previously chatted in an internet chat room. Aw, AOL chat rooms. (laughs) Bringing back some memories. (laughs) 
So she, like I'm sure many of us, loved these chat rooms. And this was not a secret. She could have actually potentially totally have met up with someone who ended up abducting her. That was a scenario. So remember, the night she went missing, her phone was dying. And she had to borrow her friend's phone at one point. So if her phone was dying and then, you know, presumably dead... How was she able to make these text messages and these calls to her roommate, right? Like, how was she charging her phone and where? I mean, it's clear she would have had to be with someone or someone's, right? And those people had to be nice enough to allow her to charge her phone to keep in (laughs) contact with her family and friends. Right. Which is super confusing. Exactly. So the police, they did not initially report this as like a missing case. And they didn't really take it too seriously, which really like pisses me off because she was still in communication with her family. So unfortunately, law enforcement pretty much called off her investigation. Like she was a missing person, but they just called it off. That's brutal. I know. Well, I hope they kept some of the documentation from their very short investigation because on October 4th, almost four months after Liebs was last seen, a hunter came across her remains in a heavily wooded area about 12 miles outside of Paderborn. When she was found, she was still wearing the same exact clothes and shoes she was wearing the night that she disappeared. Her personal belongings, such as her cell phone, wallet, purse, and watch, have never been found. Her remains were so badly decomposed that they were never able to determine an exact cause of death. There was no trace evidence or physical evidence left at the scene to determine how she ended up there or who could possibly have been responsible. Police now believe now that it's too late, that she was being held hostage in the town of Neiman, which was the first location that her cell phone had pinged at after leaving the bar. But on those phone calls where she was so adamant that she was in Paderborn, in Paderborn, we're never going to know like where she was at because cell phone pings aren't always accurate either. You know, I, know. I don't know. So it really sucks that the police didn't think to take the family's word for her being missing and how out of character it was, like, from the very beginning. They know her, and they know that she would never just leave without telling anybody. So make a note, if you guys are ever being held captive (laughs) or kidnapped and have the chance to call home, don't, because police are going to assume that you're fine, Mm -hmm. and you're going to really F yourself, and that investigation is going to get called off quick. Police, they don't believe that she was killed in that forest that they had found her in. So over 900 people had actually been interviewed by police. That's crazy. 900 people. 900? That's a lot of people. So police ended up narrowing it down to five main suspects, but I don't really know how they did that. They didn't release any information on those five that were actually chosen. So based on the alibis of each of them, they were actually all cleared. And back to square one. And just like that, her case goes cold until 2017. Jeez. I know. So in 2017, a couple by the name of Wilfred and his ex-wife, Angelica, they were arrested for murder in a town near Nehem. The woman that they had murdered 
came after they had tortured her for two months straight. God. Yes. She ended up dying due to a blood clot in her brain after two months of torture. So the couple had confessed to killing other women, multiple other women. They had held them captive and they actually stashed them in a freezer. Mm -mm. They had detailed how they thawed this one particular woman's body out. They burned her into ashes before spreading her ashes all over the village streets. Good God. Are you fucking serious? Like, what sick fucking people? All while the while, so they're being interviewed, and Angelica admits that they were actually, like, involved with more than just two women's murdered. They'd killed more. She didn't say exactly how many but there were definitely more than just two victims. Mm -mm. Some sources that we read when we were researching this, that there were more than eight. That's insane. That's insane. So because this couple lived so close to Paderborn, they became possible suspects in Lieb's case. Cops got to working on Wilfred's phone, looking into the activity on the night that Liebs went missing. And guess what? There were striking similarities between Liebs' phone and Wilfred's phone. And these two were complete strangers to each other. But their locations pinged in the same areas on the same night. Coincidence? I think not. Or was this couple Liebs' kidnappers? Thank you to sweet baby Jesus. Technology doesn't allow anybody to get away with shit anymore. <laughs> um, during the investigation between the couple and Liebs, it was brought to light that this couple would actually take victim cell phones while they were being held hostage and they would send messages to their family to throw off any indication that their loved ones were missing or kidnapped. They would just make them believe that they were out doing their own thing for a minute and that they would be back. And that's exactly how Liebs' case had played out. Exactly. She, so I would definitely think that they were tied together somehow. That's, I would think so. That would be my first look. But I want, <laughs> but I want more evidence. Exactly. So Raina and I, after our research, found out that the couple had also rented trucks and caravans so the police have been looking into, you know, those sort of rentals that they had been doing. So the house that this couple had lived in, it was dubbed the House of Whores. And let us just tell you Ew. guys, it was dubbed that for a reason. It was disgusting. This sick, sadistic couple would lure women. Once again, we don't know how many there actually were. We hope to one day find out the number. They would lure them into this disgusting home where they would beat, they would strangle, they would burn them. <sighs> they would literally tear their hair out of their skulls and douse them in boiling water. What is wrong with It people? is horrendous. So the house was just filthy, covered with crap everywhere and just dilapidated. They would drug their victims inside this house and their victims would display behaviors and actions very similar to how Karen and Chris described Liebs on that phone call. Chris and her sister knew that she did not sound like herself or anything close to it on those phone calls. There are a lot of striking similarities between what Chris and Karen witnessed with Liebs on those phone calls and things that this couple has already been accused of in other cases. So never know. One day they might tie all of this together. 
and honestly, we hope they do. (laughs) The couple has actually not been named as suspects, but law enforcement has not ruled them out. But we hope that Liebs and her family, they get justice, and this sick couple is brought to justice for the crimes that they have committed. And the question still lingers, who killed Liebs? Her case, unfortunately, remains unsolved, but the police are actively pursuing all of the leads into her death. Thank you guys for joining us today on Those Murder Girls podcast. Please head over to our Instagram. If you guys are not following us, you can do so. We post episode photos, bloody birthdays where you guys can win prizes, and case updates. As always, we hope you guys have a safe weekend, and we will be back with you next Friday. Bye, Bye guys. guys.